We're going to be looking in the Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2 this morning. Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, as we think uh, in a Christmas spirit on the mood, hopefully, that uh, will permeate our being, but even the Lord's church as well. But uh, one of the topics relating to Christmas is the place of our Savior's birth. And it is prophesied in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 about the little town of Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. But out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. How wonderful is the word of God to give us a prophecy before the birth of Christ to tell the location of his birth out of Bethlehem. There have been many attempts to explain away this prophecy, but we know that Jesus was born at Bethlehem. We relate to that through the Word of God. We relate to that through history. We relate to that through archaeology. As it confirms, all of it confirms, that Jesus was born at Bethlehem. So prophetically, archaeologically, historically, we see the truth of Jesus' birth in a place called Bethlehem. In 1865, an American preacher of great fame by the name of Philip Brooks was pastor of a church in one of America's stronger churches in Philadelphia. He had been given a sabbatical from his church, and so he went in 1865 to Jerusalem to dwell upon at Christmas time the birth of his Savior, of the Lord Jesus Christ. While he was there, he wrote a little poem. A little poem that we've sung this morning entitled, O Little Town of Bethlehem. He put that poem aside and didn't think about it for several uh, months, for quite a while, as a matter of fact. But uh, when he returned home, it was three years later, when he was asked to write a song for the children of, his, of that church where he ministered, to write a song that would be fitting for their Christmas play, the children's presentation. He had this poem, and he went to his music leader, Louis Redner, and he asked him to pen music to it. It would have been a for, forgettable poem. Many poems had been written. But Lewis Redner put music to it, and it has survived till this very day. Listen again to the words that you've sung earlier this morning. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. 
That's just the first verse, but how powerful. All the hopes and fears of all the years are met in the one who was born at Bethlehem tonight. I want to focus for a few moments on this town, little town of Bethlehem. Under three headings, I want to consider the humility of Bethlehem, the history of Bethlehem, and lastly, the honor of Bethlehem. You know, when you think of the little town of Bethlehem, humility has to be a word that comes to mind. Bethlehem was a very small town. It was not chosen by our Lord due to its social status or its standing. It was not the epicenter of the religious world. That would have been Jerusalem, particularly the Jewish world. And you would have thought that maybe the king of the Jews would have been born in Jerusalem. But no, he was born at a little insignificant town mentioned 39 times in the scripture. 39 times Bethlehem is mentioned. So it's a little city, a little town that had minimal impact upon Jewish life, Jewish economy, Jewish commerce. So when we think of this Town, the name Bethlehem or the identity of, of Bethlehem. There are various things that give us an understanding of this town and its insignificance, its humility. I mean, it was a town that had distinction because Bethlehem is mentioned twice as a town in the Old Testament. Well, there are two Bethlehems that are mentioned in the Old Testament. There's a Bethlehem that was about, what, five miles from, uh, in Galilee from Nazareth, the hometown of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, logically, you might think, well, that would be the Bethlehem, but it's not. It was not Bethlehem of Galilee, but it was the Bethlehem that was seven miles from Jerusalem, just, just south of Jerusalem, a little community named Bethlehem. If Jesus had been born at Bethlehem in Galilee, 75 miles north of where this Bethlehem in Judah was, Bethlehem outside of Jerusalem, well, the Scripture would have been incomplete. The Scripture would have been in error because we are told that He would be born at Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Out of there would come the, the Savior, the Deliverer of the world. Now, the name Bethlehem means, it's defined as house of bread. Beth means house. Laham is bread. Bethlehem, house of bread. How fitting that the bread of life would come from the house of bread. It's also, if you look again at Micah 5 and verse 2, Bethlehem Ephrata, you find that phrase Ephrata that means place of fruitfulness. Place of fruitfulness. How beautiful that in Judah, which by the way means praised, in Judah would be the town where Jesus would be born, where the babe that would deliver the world 
The Lord Jesus Christ would be born at Bethlehem, house of bread, Africa, place of fruitfulness, in Judah, the region of Judah, which was the place of praise. Bethlehem may have been insignificantly considered, as humans might look at it, as the world might, but it's rather important in the scheme of the Scripture, in the scheme of what God had done. Now, Bethlehem's insignificance, but look at the novelty of it. Now, we, we might find this, that, that, that God works often in the meager things, and He mightily moves in this town of Bethlehem. It was small in size and population. Bethlehem had a population at the time of the birth of Christ between 150 to 200 people, uh, most scholars surmise. You, get that in your mind, the size of that community. Golden, Mississippi has a population of 190 according to the 2018 uh, census, or, or in 2018. 190. Let's go a little bit north into the bigger city of Tishomingo, Mississippi. Population 331. So you get a range to that. I grew up outside of Amory, Mississippi in a community called Wren, Mississippi. If you've ever been down Highway 45 South, you've gone through Wren and probably didn't even know it. Wren was not incorporated, so we don't know what the population was. There are a lot of people that were moving in and out as babies were being born. I never understood that. But it was a small town, very insig- a small community, very insignificant. Our idea uh, of big industry was a 300-pound Avon lady. So that's, that's Wren. You, you get the concept of, of how Wren, Mississippi was considered and, and the concept of Bethlehem and how small uh, it, it would have been considered. It's not much to write home about. Someone talked about small towns in America. Uh, I learned in, in visiting Russia in particular that what they often call a village would have a, several government housings and a village might have 35,000 population, but it would have the infrastructure, uh, a smaller infrastructure of a town like Belmont. And so it's relative as to what you call a small village or a small town. But, but in America, what we call small towns are unique, like Golden, Tishomingo, even Belmont itself as well. You know you live in a small town in America when the local phone book has only one yellow page. You know that you live in a small town in America when you leave your jacket on the back chair, back of the chair in a cafe and you go back the next day and it's still there. You know that you live in a small town in America when you don't signal turns at the four-way stop because everybody knows where you're going. You know you live in a small town in, in America when you get a wrong number on the telephone, but the person on the other end gives you the correct number because they know you. You know you live in a small town in America when you refer to anyone with a house newer than 1980 as being rich. You know you live in a small town in America when uh, weekend excitement involves going to Walmart. Uh, well, Bethlehem was a small town. We get, I, I don't want to communicate that to you, that, that we understand that. It was small in size, small in significance. It was 15 miles south of the city of Hebron, which was where the patriarchs, many of the famous patriarchs dwelt. Ten miles northwest of Gibeon, where Joshua saw the sun stand still. 
12 miles west of Succa, uh, in the valley of Echor, where David slew Goliath. Five miles to the north was the famous city Jerusalem, where Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And 42 miles to the east was the city of Joppa, where Jonah fled uh, from the call of God. Humility describes Bethlehem. Do you grasp it? And folks, I want you to see then as we think of that humility of that community that God works mightily in the humble. God is doing things in small places. Our missionaries would tell us today that God is at work even in the small insignificant places of the world. Don't ever discredit the small places. Don't ever discredit the humble places. The humility of Bethlehem is important to the picture and the story of the birth of Christ. While this city may have seemed, a little town may have seemed insignificant in size and stature, it is awesome in the events of its past. So not only the humility of Bethlehem, let's consider the history of it. Looking back at its past, its past history, there are a number of things that can be considered. One, Rachel, the bride of Jacob, was buried there. Genesis 35, verse 19 says, Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrathah, which is Bethlehem. That is significant, that the patriarch Jacob's wife buried there. Ruth, do you remember the book of Ruth and the beautiful love story of Ruth and Boaz? Ruth was redeemed at Bethlehem. In the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, those are the words of Boaz, to raise up the name of the dead upon his, upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. You are all witnesses to this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders... We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do, do worthily in Ephrata and be famous in Bethlehem. So the book of Ruth tells us that Ruth was married after the death of her husband Malon, married to Boaz, redeemed as it was. He was her kinsman redeemer. Boaz, whose name means uh, mighty one, an Old Testament picture, if you will, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ruth was redeemed at Bethlehem. In the past, we find that David, the king of Israel, was anointed at Bethlehem. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're told the story of how Samuel the prophet went to Jesse and his sons to tell them that God had chosen a new king and had turned from disobedient Saul. And it was at that field that they found the son of Jesse, David, the least of David's children, tending to the flock. And the scripture tells us that Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the middle of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So uh, David was anointed at Bethlehem. So there is past history 
that reminds us of the significance of this place of Bethlehem. It was humble. It had history in the past. And it had prophecy, prophetic history, we might call it. Prophetic history. The feeble city of Bethlehem may have been overlooked by the society, but it was not overlooked by divinity. Heaven's hero was proclaimed to be born at Bethlehem. The actual birthplace is described. You see, the promise of the coming Messiah was prophesied many places in the Old Testament. Genesis 3, we have the first mention of that, where it's told that there's one coming who would crush the head of Satan. We know that to be the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are also told throughout Uh, the Old Testament, but think of the book of Isaiah. There Isaiah gives us a lot of insight concerning the promise of the Messiah. When you look in Isaiah, you'll find that he's uh, promised to be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7 and verse 14. Then you go all the way to Isaiah 53 and you'll find out that he's the one that would redeem the wayward sheep, the suffering servant, the Lord Jesus Christ. But Isaiah never reveals the city or the town of the birth of the Savior. That is uh, reserved for this little prophet Micah and the little book of Micah. Prophetic revelation that the future Savior of the world, I shouldn't say future, the Savior of the world was destined to be born at Bethlehem from heaven to earth. The incarnation would come to be at Bethlehem in a small manger, a stable, as it were, the famous city of David, as it's often known. But only Micah reveals that for us. And if we try to comprehend the awesomeness uh, of, of this miracle, we'll drive ourselves insane trying to consider this and understand it. But it was at just the right time that God sent a Savior born at an insignificant place, Bethlehem. Paul wrote about that in Galatians 4, in verse 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Folks, we have to rejoice in heaven's hero, prophesied in the Old Testament as earth's emancipator, the one to redeem us, as Paul said to the Galatians, to redeem those that were under the law that would occur for the one that was born at Bethlehem. All the way from Mount Moriah, which became known as Mount Calvary, all the way from there when Abraham offered his only son as a sacrifice in the book of Genesis chapter 22, all the way from there when When Isaac said to his father, we have the fire, we have the wood, but where is the lamb? It is answered, my friend, it is answered at Bethlehem in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know your history as it relates to Bethlehem, as it relates to the birth of the Savior? As we think of Christmas, we think of incarnation, that God became a man. God born in human flesh at Bethlehem, seemingly insignificant, but eternally important. And so we see the humility that Bethlehem has and the 
history of Bethlehem. But let's conclude this morning with the honor of Bethlehem. What an honor for in its borders the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be born. In reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we discover that Jesus was born and that the prophetic words of Micah the prophet were fulfilled at Bethlehem. I I want to focus on this second verse in in your mind. I want you to see that, that there is significance to what Micah had prophesied would take place at Bethlehem. Just as the Scripture said, it took place. The angel proclaimed it. The angelic host praised him at his birth. The shepherds went out and published his story, spread it abroad. Mary, we are told in Luke chapter 2, that she pondered these events. But it seems that the entire world is still puzzled by the birth of the Savior. When I think of Bethlehem, I think of humility. I think of the history in in its past and its prophecies. But I think of the honor of what took place at Bethlehem. Consider the traits of that little baby that was born at Bethlehem. His character and his characteristics. He would be so different from any man that was ever born. Isaiah said it this way, that the government shall rest upon his shoulders. And his name would be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He went on to say in that same passage, Isaiah chapter 9, that his throne would be unending. Of his government there would be no end. And the weight of the world is upon his shoulders. When you consider that baby born at Bethlehem, we find how amazingly awesome he is. And we understand that he is worthy of all praise. The treasure of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, God did a thing at Bethlehem when the baby Jesus was born. That precious treasure of that little baby was entrusted to an engaged couple, virtuous and pure as they were. And they kept themselves honorable and pure in the eyes of God. And the Lord used them to carry this child to term, to life, and to raise him. The timing of all of that, when Micah wrote these words in Micah 5 and verse 2, it was 400 years before. If God could so clearly prophesy of the coming of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus, the very place where He would be born, if God could do that, could not in that baby be the Messiah? His messianic role is, is what I mean. Could He not be the very one? Suddenly God declares that the time was at hand at Bethlehem and the worthy vessel, Mary, sent forth the child into the world and Jesus is born. The angel of the Lord proclaimed it. The angelic host praised it. The shepherds hurriedly made it known. And we see Jesus as He grew up, the lad teaching in the temple. And then as the, uh, John the Baptist said, Behold, the, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. We see the Lord Jesus as He's baptized and the dove, referring to the Holy Spirit, descended upon Him. And the voice from heaven said, 
my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We remember the Mount of Transfiguration where there uh, Jesus is transfigured before the eyes of Peter, James, and John. And then we think of Mount Calvary where Jesus suffered and He said fully and completely, it is finished. We think of the scene of the ascension as He ascended into heaven to go back to His throne or to be seated at the right hand of His throne awaiting the day when He would return and say, Come home, my child. Come home. As the work of redemption is complete, and now the Father calls to Himself all those that have believed. It all began at Bethlehem. My friend, God did a thing at Bethlehem. And how important is that thing? What do you believe about Bethlehem? Do you believe that your Savior was born there? Some people at Christmas time are very okay with tickling the babe on the chin and saying goo goo ga ga and being happy about a little baby in a manger and, and, and very mystically uh, thinking of things relating to that baby. But my friend, that babe embodied in him was the fullness of God. He would be raised to life, or living a life perfect and sinless, and He would die on the cross, the God-man, without sin to become sin for us. He would be buried and raised the third day. The babe at Bethlehem, God did a thing. And I ask you this morning, do you know Him? Are you trusting in Him? Or are you just nostalgic about a little baby at Bethlehem and Christmas and gifts and decorations and lights? Or do you see the one who is the light of the world? Where would you be without Bethlehem's birth? The babe born at Bethlehem. Let's pray. Father, as we think of the place of our Savior's birth and we focus upon the fact that He was born there, that He might live a perfect life and die the just for the unjust. May we rejoice in Bethlehem, the little town, seemingly insignificant. Father, may You work and move in each of our hearts that we might trust in the Messiah, the, the One who became flesh at Bethlehem. That we might place our faith and our trust in Him and the finished work of Calvary's cross. I pray for those who might mistakenly think that He's just a baby and therefore they need not bow. Lord, embodied in Him, He is the Savior, the Redeemer. And I pray that those who listen today would trust Him, bow before Him as Master and Majestic One. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we might rejoice in the babe at Bethlehem, but even more so in the King of kings and Lord of lords. Have Your way as we, move, as we respond. And you move in Jesus' name.